Lights on the tree, lights in the sky. Everyone all over the universe enjoys a Christmas feast. This is a Christmas dish that you don't want to be part of. Hi, and welcome to the Dark Christmas Tales Advent Calendar. This tale is called Candle, written by Angela Blythe and read by the author. These are the events as I remember them. The beginning is unimportant, therefore I'll keep that part brief. The ending was more significant, to me anyway. It was the evening of the 21st of December when the lights went out. It was a full power outage. By all the lights, I mean all the lights. House lights, street lamps, torches, and even the lights on cars. All electricity. Even generators didn't work. Anything electrical was dead, and that included mobile phones. I lived in a small village. It's out of the way, at least five miles from its neighbour. But it is near a massive electricity plant. We expected the electricity to come back on, as these things had happened before, but this time it didn't. A few of us, with candles and lanterns, walked down to the big electricity station. That was just as dark. We couldn't see anyone milling about. We rang the bell on the gate. It was also electric, so it didn't work. I pushed at the entrance and it swung open. The electronic lock was also no longer working. It's bad when even the power plant's gone down, a big man named Mick said. Just then we heard running feet and saw one of the doctors from the cottage hospital just up the road. What's going on? He asked. No one knows, said Rick, a local handyman. We haven't seen anyone here. They must be deep inside the building, trying to fix the problem. The hospital electricity went down and the generators didn't kick in. People are on life support machines. Babies and incubators have to be kept warm. Everyone is getting cold, even though we've put blankets on them. All the rest of the members of staff are concentrating on keeping the people alive. The electricity needs to go back on immediately. I've probably lost some patience even running down here, the doctor said. This was serious. I'd been worried because I was trying to cook some Christmas cookies in the oven. But now I knew about the hospital, it put all that in perspective. A boy named Josh has an idea. I bet it's some kind of nuclear reaction, Josh said. Ah! A lady named Sue screeched. That means I'm going to lose all my hair. No, he doesn't mean that, Rick said. You're thinking of a nuclear bomb. You know if it was one of them. He's talking about physics. I would have said it was more likely to be an electromagnetic pulse. What with all the cars and phones going out as well. God, what a thought. But then I would be expecting planes to be dropping from the sky. So I pray it isn't that the doctor said. It's definitely local, Josh added. I saw lights in some of the other villages when I was riding my bike over here. Listen, I'm going to go in. Does anyone want to come? Rick said. Two other men said that they wanted to see what was going on too. 
three of them, walked up the path towards the building. Rick tried the handle on the metal door. It was open. We saw them walk in, their candles getting dimmer and dimmer. The rest of us waited outside, our eyes trained on the black rectangle that was the open door to the electricity plant. The doctor looked a bit frantic. He was hoping against hope that the three men would find someone inside who was working on restoring the electricity and that everything would soon spring back to life. It was December and therefore it was cold. We were rubbing our arms vigorously and stamping our feet. I occasionally looked back but could see no lights on in the village or cars moving. Where are they? One of them could have come out and told us the status of the situation at least even if it isn't getting fixed, the doctor said. I had expected it too by now. I thought Rick and the other two men had been inside about ten minutes. I'm going in, the doctor said. This is ridiculous. This is life and death. He ran in, up the tarmac path and through the door. The doctor didn't even have a candle. Wait, Sue said, dashing behind him with her Christmas lantern. We didn't hear anything for a few minutes. Sod this, Josh said. He and his dad ran into the electricity station. Now seven had gone in and none had exited. The atmosphere, if it could get worse, did. We were quieter now. The place was silent and felt uninhabited. We knew there were at least seven of our number inside as well as an unknown number of electricity workers. Perhaps it's poisonous gas, an older man said. Don't be daft, of course it isn't, Mick said. Why would they have gas in there when they have electricity? I'll go and see what's happening. It's obviously a bloody mother's meeting in there and they're all having a good old chinwag. Mick, his wife and two teenage children stormed off into the electricity plant. They didn't have a candle. Mick had a Zippo lighter that he fired up as soon as he went through the metal door. Again, we watched them disappear into the dark and I could have sworn the last movement I saw was downwards. Again, silence. It looks like there are steps down there, I said. Has anyone ever been in? No one replied. Now we were all getting worried. We wanted the police to turn up, or the army, or something, so that we didn't have to do this. People and kids were dying in the hospital, and now it seemed like everyone that went into this building disappeared. There had been several pretty big blokes going there, the doctor included. I couldn't believe that they'd been overpowered by someone. But still, no one returned and we could hear no voices or tools hitting metal. We all knew that it was weird. Definitely uncharacteristic for our sleepy village. I had a candle, but it wasn't very big. The fact was that tomorrow I was going to attend the local Christingle service at church. I was baking cookies for the refreshment area, but I also had all the Christingles in my house. They consisted of an orange with a candle stuck in it. There wasn't a breath of wind tonight, 
though I had been lucky it was still alight. I made sure I held my hand around the candle. It was small, but it would last an hour or so. I had another one in my pocket. We heard running feet again and turned to see a nurse coming towards us, frantically flailing her arms around. She looked stressed and upset. She had a tear-stained face and her hair was out of her hair bobble on one side. Have you seen Dr Jones? she asked us. We need him. He's gone in there, I said, to see what's going on with the electricity. We need him at the hospital. We've already lost two patients, she said. Tell him to come back when you see him. The nurse ran off again, back towards the hospital. Someone had to go in and get the doctor, to save people's lives. The problem was that we knew what happened to people who went in. They didn't come back out. Another time, we wouldn't have thought anything of it. We would have thought people were chatting or trying to work together to fix the problem. But strange disappearances, added to a complete electrical failure, made this a dangerous scenario. I looked around at the other faces, but they were all turned towards the ground, avoiding my eyes. They weren't willing to sacrifice themselves, so it looked like it was down to me. I said nothing, just turned my back on them and began to walk up the tarmac path, never feeling so alone in all my life. I hoped I would be able to laugh about this later and point out that I was the one that saved the day. We saved people's lives and got Dr Jones to go back to the hospital. I would also triumphantly come out with the news that everything would be working within 15 minutes. I took the first step into the electricity plant. The darkness in front of me seemed to swallow what little light shone from my candle. I had thought that there were stairs and I was glad that I'd seen this as they came upon me suddenly. I could have easily fallen down them and broke my neck. Is that what happened to the others? I looked behind me at the people gathered around the gate. No one was talking there. They were all watching me. In front of me, from the steps, there was an ear-splitting silence. I took a deep breath. I could do this. I could find them. Everything would be all right. The place felt hollow and echoey and it didn't sound right. Of course I knew people were here. Outside we hadn't heard any screams. They just hadn't returned. They were in here somewhere. I walked down each metal step. The corridor was very noisy now, but it was only my feet that made the din. I held on to the banister. I had no idea how many steps there were. I counted thirty. That was deeper than I imagined. When I got to the bottom, I felt rough concrete beneath my shoes. I was in another corridor. There was nothing on the walls, and I thought I could make out what looked like a doorway in the distance. I walked forward, surprised that there was so much of the electricity plant underground. Having descended the 30 steps from ground level, I was already pretty deep. I was right. It was an office door with a number one on it. I tried the handle and it was locked. From what I could see with a regular old key.
I carried on walking, my brain helpfully reminding me of a video game that I had once played. In it, I had to solve various problems underground while being chased by monsters. I shivered, and it wasn't only because of that memory. While it was cold outside, underground in December, it was bloody freezing. I was surprised how much light my little candle gave out, and sorry to see that it only had a short stub left. Thank heavens that I had bought another one. I came across three more office doors, all locked. There was still no noise from anyone else, and then I thought, why am I being quiet? I've got nothing to be ashamed of. Hello? I shouted. I waited. No sounds came back to me. Hello? Anyone? Doctor? Rick? I shouted. Far away in the distance, in what seemed like at the end of the tunnel, I heard a deep rustling. Good, I knew where they were now. I didn't know what kept making me put one foot in front of the other. I was so scared. I hadn't expected that at the end of this corridor there would be more stairs. I nearly went down the first one, but my little candle caught the sight of the banister rather than the stair. I still went down the top step awkwardly, twisting my ankle a little, although it wasn't too painful. I descended the stairs. This time there were twenty. When I got to the bottom, I found myself in what must have been a wider corridor, as I couldn't readily see the sides. In front of me was indescribably black. I had expected to see some light down here. The electricity men must be using some kind of light. They couldn't be working in the inky black. And apart from the doctor, all the others had gone down recently with candles or some form of light. I walked a little further and shone my crystal towards the wall. But I couldn't see offices or any doorways down here. However, the corridor looked like it was still widening. My little candle flame began to get smaller and I wondered if there wasn't enough oxygen down here for it to burn brighter. That was a little worrying, as I needed oxygen too. On the plus side, at least it wasn't burning brighter detecting the gas that had been suggested outside. The corridor still seemed to be growing wider, so I moved to the left and decided to follow the wall, so at least I had some reference point. In fact, the corridor soon turned into what was a big chamber. It was probably where all the electrical generators were based. I took a few more steps left. Out of the corner of my eye, Something glinted to the right. Hello? I said. More rustling. Right in this room. If someone thinks this is funny, it isn't. I said, trying to hide the panic in my voice. I took it that the problem area must be further along on the other side of this chamber, as there was no response to any of my calls. I knew that Dr Jones was definitely a no-nonsense man. I would bet my life that he wouldn't be sitting there with his finger on his lips, wasting his time instead of saving lives. I felt around the edge of the chamber until I estimated that I was on the other side. At first, 
I couldn't feel the doorway because it was flush to the wall with no handle. It certainly wasn't easy, but it was an oblong of a different texture than the walls. Smooth and cold. I gave it a push, but it didn't open. Then just when I was about to carry on and see if I could find another door, it swung wide open and a tiny bit of light came through it. What it illuminated was so terrifying that I was frozen to the spot. Each person that had gone before me was lying on the floor. Some kind of monster was tearing them apart piece by piece. These pieces were being fed into a hole in the floor. Human beings were being dismembered. The door had opened because another of the things was dragging Mick through the doorway. They were all intent on somehow shoving everyone down the hall. It seemed like nothing else mattered. I managed to glance into the side room before the door closed shut. In there, next to the bodies, were the candles, some lit, some extinguished, as they lay on the floor. The creatures couldn't have noticed me, or I would have been fed into the hall by now. The creatures were totally disgusting. Shiny black in colour, with skin that reminded me of a shark. They had large, elongated heads, with a mouth filled with razor-sharp teeth. Their limbs were thin, but they must have been strong, as they seemed to be able to pull a man apart as easily as if he was a chicken. Luckily, their focus was still on their business and not me. I could see pieces of a man near some electricity company's overalls. There was no one left, and no one would be coming to save me. I heard the rustling sound again. It seemed to come from above me. The thought that I hadn't been noticed dissolved. Of course I had, and I probably had been trapped for a long time. By the diminishing light of my candle, I could see that higher up on the walls, more of these things were sitting on or clinging to pipes that probably had been used by the generators. They had obviously seen me with my little candle walking around the edge of the chamber. The creatures had let everyone do that. They had allowed us to walk to our doom. I could now see that this was no longer an electricity plant. On the floor, some lights began to pulse. Something was starting to happen, and the creatures quivered with delight. A vibration was starting from somewhere below the ground, but getting stronger. I could now feel it in my bones. The pulsating lights allowed me to see more of the dire situation I was in. The bits of people being pushed down the hall were feeding something that was now waking up. I couldn't tell if this had fallen from the stars into the electricity plant. Or had it always been there and the plant had been built over it? Maybe those stories of strange lights and a prehistoric temple in this area were true after all. The twenty or so monsters clinging to pipes around the edge of the room looked like they were ready for me now. Maybe I was the final bit of fuel needed for full power. The vibrations were getting worse. 
and there was now a deafening sound like the world's biggest washing machine going on to its full spin cycle. I thought that the others waiting for me outside would be getting a surprise soon. Maybe it was better that I didn't see what happened when this thing was back to full power. As the monsters came closer to me, I realised that in all this excitement, I hadn't changed over to the other Chris Dingle, and with horror, I watched the candles light, wink out. That was a dark Christmas tale, written and read by Angela Blythe. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about further stories in this series, or my other work, please go to www.angelablythe.com.